Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to season two of my podcast, where we talk about all things about disabilities and bringing awareness to them, especially in the public viewing for all societies to understand and just see how disabilities aren't just one look, but they have very different looks and they're all, they are all not the same, but they do make us unique and wonderful and beautiful ways. So I'm so excited because season one just ended a few months ago and I'm working on season two. And for my first episode, I am interviewing Maya Chukov and she is someone who I totally adore. Um, Like she is just so amazing, so kind and inspirational. Um, And she owns a podcast called The Proud Stutter. I started playing her podcast back in this past summer, actually, just because I wanted to find a podcast that talked about stuttering and bringing awareness to it to the public's viewing. Um, And our podcast did this so beautifully. It was something that I just kept playing over and over again. Although I don't stutter personally, I do clutter. And it was just like so, I I just felt like, I could relate to everyone's story and the stories weren't about trauma but instead about success and pursuing their dreams despite their quote-unquote setbacks whether it be stuttering or any other kind of quote-unquote setback and Maya herself just went to the Ambies and if you don't know the Ambies are pretty much like an Oscars or an Academy Awards event for podcasting So she was just there back in March 7th and her outfit was literally so freaking cute. Like it was the best outfit ever. Like she looks so good (laughs) because I only ever see, I only ever see Maya on Zoom. So, and like usually on Zoom, it's just like her, her head, but it was just nice seeing her in a really cute outfit and just looking so happy. And I know that she feels just amazing and that she accomplished so much because we don't know. If you do have a speech influency, it can feel like the world's against you and that you have no chance to really do anything like just outside of your comfort zone. But to see Maya in this at this at these awards that are basically about audio quality and about speaking and about touching the public through your voice, it was just like like wow, like you know, I think people with speech influencies, or at least in my experience, we try everything in our power to avoid using our voice. But Maya instead chose to lean into this part of herself and create a podcast that opened up the door for people who have speech influencies. So before I play this episode, I just want to say, Maya, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so grateful that you decided to take a leap of faith and lead into this project because it has been, it's, it's obviously um, has paid off. Okay, everyone. Hi, I have with me today Maya um, from the podcast Proud Stutter. Um, we actually met only on Zoom. She's, in, she's lived in California, so we've actually met on Zoom once. I went to one of her stuttering um like community sessions on zoom and they're a lot of fun i think there was like 12 of us or like 15 of us total it was a pretty large group a really great showing and we discussed a lot about um stuttering and like having a speech to fluency as you guys know i clutter i don't stutter but it was just nice meeting other people who um you know have speech influencies and talking about their experiences and mine and how they kind of like 
I guess integrate together together in many ways. Um, but I will have Maya introduce herself and see say who she is, um, her background, hobbies, and talk about her podcast. I I am so excited to be here. And um, yeah, a little bit about me. So as Simone mentioned, I host Proud Stutter. Um, Proud Stutter launched on International Stuttering Awareness Day, October 22nd in 2021. And it's really a show about stuttering and really shifting the narrative around stuttering because right now, a lot of what we see and hear in the media and on TV and film is very um, much so a misrepresentation of what stuttering and cluttering is. And so real, so proud stutter is meant to disrupt a lot of those tropes that we see. And it's also meant to be a platform for people who stutter to share that their stories, because so often, like for me, I felt like I'd, I've always wanted to like share my story, but I always felt hindered by my speech impediment. And so this platform of having a podcast where people can kind of go on and finally just, you know, share whatever that they want to share without being judged for it is really, you know, another part of the show. And so, um, so yeah, proud stutter is, a hobby of mine right now. I, um, it's actually a nonprofit as as well. I have a fiscal sponsor, and so that allows me to get do- donations that are tax deductible. And then I, my full time job is I work in policy advocacy to help s- support local journalism in California. That is so awesome. I feel like your entire story is just like, I don't know. I feel like it's very. Um obviously interesting, but I just love it. Like, I, I don't know, when I first heard your first podcast episode, I found love their podcast because I couldn't find a podcast on stuttering. I don't think, I feel like back when I was researching about it, like this summer, like it was, it was really hard to find. Like I found a lot about anxiety and like mental health, but not a lot about um, stuttering or any kind of speech influency, especially cluttering. There aren't much out there. So when I heard yours, I was like, oh, finally, like someone actually like talked about this stuff, like through a podcast and hearing you stutter on the podcast and just sounding like yourself and being your authentic self was just very refreshing. And I just love your stories too, that you have on there. Um, so I kind of want to go to your, your background a little bit. So um, I know that you uh, mentioned in your podcast that you do covert stuttering. And I didn't know what that was until you mentioned it in your podcast. And I was like, what is that? Because I always thought, I mean, because my own personal experiences, I did try to cover up my cluttering for a long time, but I didn't, my method of covering up was either not talking or like saying like short sentences. Like I would never go on like long spiels about stuff because I was always afraid that I would either like run over words or I would merge words together or it would just come out like very mumbled and I did I just hated that apart about my my speech. So I kind of want to go in depth about your background when it came to stuttering, like how you became overt stutter or how you began to accept um stuttering and also diagnosis story too. Yeah. So my diagnose diagnosis story, I guess I was diagnosed when my 
parents took me to um, a private speech therapist for the, the first time. And during my first session, that was kind of like the, the, the moment where um, I realized and my parents realized that this was a, a thing that was, you know, it wasn't going away anytime soon or it wouldn't go away naturally. And so, um, so yeah, that really was a turning point. And I really did not like speech therapy. It was very tiring for me. And I just felt like by using the techniques that I was taught, which I never really used in real life because I didn't like them. It was kind of like hiding my personality in, in a way. And I just, it didn't feel good with me to constantly try to change my voice to, to fit something that I just wasn't comfortable with. So, so that was really a big part of my therapy journey. And I stopped doing that. Um, after like, I don't even remember. I, I'm just going to get guess it was like seven months of speech therapy. And then I never wanted to think about my stutter as I was going through like middle school and high school and even so, so like a little bit college because it was just something I didn't want to admit that I had and I didn't want to just acknowledge it because the more I acknowledge it, the more it's like a real thing. And so I didn't really learn to accept my stutter until I, I ended up doing the podcast and really felt that this is such a good idea for a podcast because it's really filling a much needed gap. And so really my, it, it was really like kind of an overnight type of thing where I just woke up went, like, well, I didn't just wake up, but th there were a few experiences leading up to me just going head first into being open about my stutter. Yeah, that was a great answer. I think there's many similarities between our stories, even though we have different speech fluencies. I think um, I went to speech therapy too. I only had one session when I was in, I think, middle school. And it was my choice. Like, I I, I think, I want to say K through eighth grade. I went to K through, K through eighth school. So when I was there, like a lot of my friends like knew how I talked and like, I can go and I like a, I can go on very fast tangents and they just like they're like whatever it's just like how she talks so it didn't really bother me I think once I hit middle school and you know like you go through changes and hormones all that stuff I was just more like more curious about okay like why do I talk so fast when I get emotional and so I went to a speech therapist and we talked and I she like had me read this like story to her like this like one or two paragraph story very short thing and then she was like, well, you sound fine to me. And I was like, okay, well, this is like literally no help. And she didn't really give me any other tips because I think back then she didn't really know what cluttering was. And I didn't either. Like, I just thought that she knew, you know, why I talk fast and what I can do to like help myself calm down. Um, but she was just like barely any help. So <laughs> I kind of just moved on from that, not really trying to go back because I didn't really think it was a, a need anymore. And then as I got older, I think I became more conscious about my speech and fluency and everything and what I could do to make it, I don't want to say 
go away, but just understand more because I really didn't know. And mind you, like a lot of my family members, I'm half Caribbean, so a lot of them talk fast anyway. But again, I think with me, I just really wanted to understand why that was um, the case. Um, and so my other question for you was, um, so when did you start notice noticing your stutter? And when did it become, I guess, kind of like, when did the idea in your head become, okay, I want to hide this. Like when did that idea start for you? Oh my gosh. I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really do want to like, like one of the things I've realized through talking with other stutters and just talking about my own story is that I don't remember a lot of memories around my stutter. And I think a lot of it is probably psychological and repressed memories. And I do want to like, try to, you know, go like, see if I can recall them, you know, through like a psychiatrist or something one day, but, um, but I guess I would say, I think it was when, um, a lot of the memories I have are around being nervous about, um, saying, passages out loud. So I think in hindsight, that was really, I think what set me apart from what I found myself as different is that, you know, I would stutter while reading these passages out loud and no one else Mm -hmm. did. So I think that was when I really started to feel alone in it and that no one else had this stuttering issue that I had. And so, um, so yeah, it definitely stopped me from doing a lot of things that I really wanted to do because I'd rather be seen as normal than Mm. putting myself in a situation where I had to stutter. Yeah. That makes makes a lot of sense. Um, and same here. It's like, I remember I was in college. I, I went to OSU for school when I was there. Well, I think it was my like last year of college or whatever. And I was, I'm an art major or I was an art major. And I, I had to take a class, I think some kind of women's study class, like women's literature. And the professor I had, she like literally wanted us to like talk out loud every single class about the book that you're reading at the time. And like, if you didn't do that, you would lose points. So I was like, crap. <laughs> so I had to like, I had to, okay. I had to do this. And so like, I think it was like one of our finals we had or like midterms and we literally had to like sit in this big circle and like present, like you had to like basically lead the entire class for an hour. And it was my turn. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, no. Cause leading up to that, every class I had with her, like I would try to like raise my hand, but like, again, like you're saying, the anxiety comes up. You're just like, I don't want to go through this because it's just like different. I think for people who are introverted or just shy, it's like, you're just, you don't really want to put yourself out there. But I think when you, have a speech influency and you do want to put yourself out there and the anxiety comes up. It just is a different feeling and it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like, it's like this weird side where it's like, okay, like I want to do this really, really bad. I know that I can, but I also, other side, it's just like, but I'd rather not because I don't want people to see me as different or judge me. So that was like constantly in my head. Cause I had really good ideas. I just didn't know how to like say them. And I never told her that I cluttered because at the time I was still in that, that, um, headspace of like how to disclose, like it was a lot going on for me like that year. It was, this was like before COVID too. Um, but anyway, 
yeah, I understand what you're saying about hiding and not being seen as like weird or like unnormal or like unnatural. Um, so do you think there's any stigmas around stuttering at all still? Yes, I, I definitely think, um, especially in a lot of articles in the media, like even recently, um, there was a headline about a soccer player in the, the, the UK and they put in the headline, this person suffers from stuttering. And so I feel like there's in so many of the headlines I see around a person who stutters, there's always a negative word mm -hmm. attached to, to it, like suffer suffers from stuttering or, um, I don't know, like that, that's, I can't think of anything else, but they're out there. And so, yes, I do think there is this like stigma still that stuttering is a bad thing, which is super problematic. And um, I th think a lot of it does stem from even these older references in popular culture around the st stuttering that just emphasizes um, that stuttering is just a negative thing, whether it's like a butt of a joke or seen as being nervous or incompetent, you know, the list goes on. So I, yes, I definitely think there is still stigma and that's why it's so Im important for people like us to like really make sure that, you know, that, that that's not the only narrative out there, but we have our own stories and our platforms that were hopefully long term starting to, to chip away at those stigmas. Yeah. And I think your podcast is doing that slowly. Um, just because I didn't know there's so many people out there, I know people stuttered, but I didn't know so many people out there stuttered who were like musicians and writers and film directors and like there's just so many people out there who do like really cool stuff who stutter and I, I remember I went to the NSA National Studying Association site like just like scrolling through it before our podcast and I saw a lot of celebrities like Marilyn Monroe who stuttered and I, I know Joe Biden does too but I just think that your podcast is dismantling this stigma that people who stutter are like you know, are always nervous or shy, but that's obviously not the case because when people out there, like our president who does talking, like who talks all the time and obviously isn't shy, but he stutters. So I think that you're right about these stigmas having to be, they're just myths and they have to be dismantled. Um, so did you have any shame around your diagnosis at all? Or like, and I also want to ask a question as well. Do you think that you had more if you did have shame if you have HIV diagnosis like more so as an adult or as like a child I know for me it's like I didn't really care about my cluttering until after high school so I don't know if that's the same for you yeah I mean I can recall definitely I know that was there in middle school but I can really recall it in high school and college so yeah, there was a lot of shame around my stutter. In in high school, I had a job as part of Associated Student Body where um, I was like the broadcast journalism person where my role when I got it was to appear like on a, like a consistent basis on the 
TV program of our school and give an update. And I just couldn't do it. Like, I don't know how, but I just got away with never having to go on TV, Mm. even though that was my job. So it was so weird because like when I got it, I was so excited. And then when I was like about to do it, I just always made up an excuse or just got out of it somehow, which is so frustrating because I knew I could do it and I really wanted to do it but I didn't want to be seen in front of my whole school as someone who couldn't, you know, like as, I mean, they wouldn't even have labeled me as a stutter. They just labeled me as like, Oh, she doesn't know, you know, what she's talking about or something. So, so yeah, that's the first thing. And then the second thing in college, I felt a lot of shame around my stutter it was, it was kind of like this weight that carried me throughout college where there was, I, I was finding out about all these cool things that I could do after college. And every time I'd really think about myself in these roles, I'd always be like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh, this is so awesome. But I'm not gonna be able to do that because, because all the things that really were attracted to me involved public speaking. And so there was just always this shame and like, I just, yeah, that I just couldn't do anything and that I wasn't worthy to be able to, to do that, those things. Yeah. Um, again, some letters here. <laughs> um, I teach, well, I used to teach, um, K through high school art classes and after school program. And I love, like, I love teaching kids art. I love teaching. And, I think one of the things that, cause I would have done it. I, I, I started doing that probably like my last year of high school, going to college, like teach like after school, not after school, but it's most of my program. So like teaching kids, like our, this camp. And I love that job, but I remember being just so scared as I was like, what if I, they, they judge me like they're little kids, like whatever, but still I was so nervous about them, like judging me about cluttering because I was so focused on that, that I couldn't focus on the benefit of how I'd feel after I'd finished a job or like benefit of me feeling, you know, really happy teaching them or like even thinking about them and them learning new things from me. I was so focused on my own self and my own insecurities that I couldn't see the benefit of like what could happen on the other side. So I think there's this common theme of people with speech influencies, how we're always thinking about like, oh, the negative part of like a job we may want. And it like, it's really sad because I think a lot of the times it's like, we know that this thing that we want would make us feel so good, but it's like, is that worth us putting ourselves out there and putting ourselves through this like challenge or mountain And I, I think in learning now as I got older, like, yeah, like it is worth it. And so recently I joined a club called Toastmasters where I had to like literally say a speech every once a week. And at first, like I hated doing it. Like I actually despised, I was miserable, but like I'm on my, I think sixth speech now and I'm beginning to actually enjoy it. Like I'm beginning to actually like talking about my own topics and my own things and bringing knowledge to people who may not know certain stuff. So I feel like after a while, and I also disclose to them, like I clutter after my, when my first speech thing, so they know about my, you know, speech influency. It's still a little tough, but it's like, I feel like every speech, I get a little bit more better and more comfortable with talking about whatever. Um, 
So my next question, my next question for you is, so I know that you, you're obviously a, a white woman and you've stuttered. Do you think there's any, like, like if there's any differences between different races or genders when it comes to stuttering? I know that, um, I feel like for black males, I think it's like a different, like, experience, but I'm not sure for you how your experience is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel that, um, yeah, I, I mean, I de- definitely feel a sense of, of privilege being a white woman who stutters, but also being a white woman with a stutter is also like so many of the um, stereotypes relating to women mm. kind of impact w- women who stutter in a, in a, another way where, y- you know, like um, not like if a woman d- doesn't speak up in the workplace, maybe like they're labeled as shy or, you know, if you're stuttering during like a, in a, professional setting that could be deemed as unprofessional. So I do think that there's like more expectation among women, especially in the workplace to, um, uh, you know, to talk a certain way and um, to carry yourself a certain way. And sometimes stuttering can get in the way of that. Um. One of the things that I'm trying to do with with Proud Stutter is diversify the people I um, have on the the show because one of the things I did after my first season, I I did a listener survey and 89% of respondents were white people. And Mm -hmm. so that just made me realize like, why am I not reaching a diverse, a more diverse audience. And so I'm really trying with like every season to think of creative ways to get this show in in front of more audiences. Um, And so like for season two, I, I really wanted to like invite more people from different backgrounds. We had one episode where it was all about stuttering in Latino of families. And, um, that there was another one where we talked about stuttering the Filipino culture. And so I'm really trying to like build in a lot of these intersectionalities around stuttering because right now it is very white dominated, I think. And so for season three, I'm really hoping to do more live events in communities where it's more diverse and really gets people to engage with the content, even if it might not be through audio, because not everyone, not every culture, not every community listens to podcasts. So how can we expand that a little bit? Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of podcasts that I've played in the past, um, you know, kind of have this certain audience, like no matter what the theme is. So whether it's be about like, stuttering or disabilities or you know like even about manifestation or fashion i don't know they're always like the same kinds of just audiences and people talking about like these different things but i feel like it's always from one voice and one perspective and part of my podcast is trying to be very diverse so like by season one 
I had all different kinds of people with different, different disabilities. Cause I'm like, I really believe in, you know, people being inclusive and equitable and diverse, you know, as much as they can. And I feel like you kind of miss out when you don't expose yourself to different cultures or backgrounds, you know, and also the idea of like, how can we be more accessible? So like, I'm thinking about, you know, adding captions to my podcast and also like even thinking about like, I don't know this, but even fonts and podcasts matter. So like, I had no idea. So it's like originally my podcast font was, it wasn't hard to read, but I'm like, if, if someone who's low vision was reading this, they probably couldn't read it very well. So I've just been learning so much about how to be more accessible and more diverse in my own podcast show too. Um, and also I feel like you're right about genders and um, sexuality in terms of um, like stuttering or cluttering because I find even with myself like being a woman a young black woman I like have so many things I have to like look like and seem like and especially in the workplace and I feel like sometimes I didn't fit those molds because not just, not just because I cluttered but also because I'm an artist and so like I don't like always looking a certain way every day like I like looking different like I wear wigs I my I know I wear makeup here and there but I just like being creative individual and I feel like sometimes gender roles and stereotypes kind of hinder me from doing that even though I tend to like go outside the box I have a lot of friends who are scared to do certain things my boyfriend like he was scared to wear braids to work at one point and I was like just do it like what are they gonna do like if they fire you can always sue them for discrimination so you know just little things I would think about when it comes to speech influencies um my other question was so I know that it was kind of a challenge for you to accept your stuttering but when you once you did um with your podcast and everything how did you disclose to people at your job and your family and your friends that you stuttered so at the time of starting the podcast, I like was not happy at work. So I I actually did end up talking to some people ab about it at work. And I even ended up joining a disability like advisory committee because I worked at a government agency. And so there was this 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 opportunity to join other people with d disabilities and advise the state agency around th things to, to make the things more accessible. So that was really cool. And then shortly after that, I ended up getting a new job, which I love so much now. I'm like obsessed with my new job and I still love it. I've, I've been there um, like like about a year, a little over a year and a half. And I disclosed right away and it was the best feeling ever. Like I felt so accepted and I felt so myself and I've never done that in the workplace before. And so it's just such a, it's such a new feeling and I just love it because I've always hidden that part of myself because I've been mostly when I was starting in the PR, which is a very like, you need to speak a certain way because you need to like, like the main part of my job was getting reporters to cover stories. And so I was constantly just like trying to convince people to listen to me and agree on what I was kind of 
selling them. So not the best job <laughs> for a, a person who stutters, lots of ableism. But, you know, during that time, I never felt like, oh, this is ableism or, oh, this is, you know, not an inclusive work environment. It was always about me and me not being adequate. And so I just wish I kind of had more of that language and more of that empowerment because maybe I could have really helped make that um, organization more inclusive, but better late than never, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. um, I just, your answers are all so good, but I didn't think about either. Like I didn't really, I didn't really um, understand at first what disabilities, like what that all included. So I always thought disabilities always meant physical things that you could see, like someone who's in a wheelchair or someone who's blind or like does ASL. Like I didn't think it was eternal things either. Cause I feel like I had this kind of image in my head of what dis- disability looks like, and I was obviously so wrong. So when you talk about ableism in, re- in regards to speech influencies, I'm like, everything everything in my head now is clicking. Cause I'm just like, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, especially with jobs, um, like even when you apply for a job and they like say, ask you like your disability, they don't really include like speech influencies as one. I feel like they should, but they don't. And that's obviously a problem. Um, but yeah, I think ableism is really big, especially in media, like in TV and songs, like even songs I hear nowadays still mention the word stuttering, like it's a bad thing. And I'm like, why are we acting like stuttering's like this abnormal, like alien thing when it's really not? And then I just wish that TV would be more inclusive too. I think um, it's kind of, what's it called? Like it's, it's this weird fantasy people like on TV people like with or actors, like they'll be talking and their lines sound so fluent and so perfect. I'm like, no one talks, talks like this in real life. Like even people who are fluent, they sometimes will like stammer on a word or stutter on a word. And it's just like, no one talks as perfect in reality. <laughs> and so I just wish yeah. that TV, especially like talk shows would just be like more real. Like you don't have to always sound so perfect and like flowy. Like it can be a little like jumbled. Like I like that. I think that's like very authentic. Um, and so one of my last questions for you was how can society do a better job of creating environments that are easier for speech influencies or disorders to adapt to? Yeah, I was thinking about this and it actually relates perfectly to what we've been talking about. You, you mentioned the experience you had in college and that's class where you had to, you know, um, kind of, I guess, facilitate one of the, um, one of the classes and leading the conversation and, it 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 made me think about this professor I met um, last year, R- Richard Herder, and he is, I believe, a communications professor. Um, but anyway, like one of the, the things that he does on his syllabus is, you know, every syllabus has to have like an ADA spiel at the bottom. So he actually added like, oh, and if you have like a speech d- disability or a stutter, like feel free to come see me. We can chat about it. 
And just by adding that one sentence, in addition to, you know, the, the, the standard one, he, he, at least every class has one person who stutters, see him in, in his office and they like work through like how to best adapt and like move forward in the class. And so that's just like one simple thing. Every single teacher professor can do at the beginning of class is just open that space up. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you mentioned interviews. And I think that employers should do kind of something similar where if, um, and, and like, when they say like accommodations, make sure that they include, like if you have a speech um, d disability, like we want to make sure we're working with you. So if you need more time, let, let, let us know, or, you know, something like that, because the 30 minute interviews are so hard for us. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. I am. Um, I think for me, I had, I had to learn like in my cover letter that I've sent for like jobs, like, like I got this new job that I work with and I, I also just love. And in my cover letter, I put like, I have a disability and I just put it down. Like I, so they just knew like when we, went, when we had the interview, this is this, this may or may not happen. That way I didn't have to go in feeling so anxious about it. And they just, and I, I think I put it in the emails what I sent to the, the program. Um, so like they just understood from like the get go, but I think that it's important for them to also extend the extra mile and to put it in you know, their own like application as well. And especially professors who teach speech classes or who require students to talk in the classes, I feel like they kind of, I don't want to say um, like disregard, like some people who have speech influences, it's like just that extra like support like you were saying of like, oh, if you have this, like, let me know and we can work through it. Because I feel like you know, people who do speech influencies, they shouldn't be scared to join a speech class, especially if it's a prerequisite for like a certain major or a minor. Like they shouldn't be scared to join your class because they might stutter or clutter or whatever the case may be. They should enjoy and feel safe in that environment. And I think that it's really hard to feel safe when like the teacher, the teacher, the teacher, the teacher, I can't talk. The teacher doesn't even like um, give you like their support or like you don't know if they're even aware of what stuttering and cluttering is. And, you know, um, how it can affect your speech or your emotional well-being. So I think that your response was really great with that. Um, that's all I had question-wise. Did you have any other thing you want to say before we close off? Um, I guess just one quick plug. We are going to be doing a workshop around passing local resolutions around stuttering. And we're going to have a great, it's going to be a, a great virtual panel. And so that's going to be um, on March, on Monday, March 27th at 6 PM Pacific, 9 PM Eastern. So just one small plug around what's what's going on in the proud stutter world that's great and i will definitely post your instagram as well and do you have you have a twitter for your proud stutter too i think you do right yeah, yeah. i'll post your twitter and is it your facebook or just yeah facebook okay and that's at just proud stutter for all three handles 
Okay, yeah. cool. So I will post that in the show notes and obviously on my Instagram page and stuff like that. That was a lot of happy Maya. Like, this was such a great talk. I'm like, I know. I literally was thinking about this interview since the fall. Like, I really want to interview her. <laughs> so I'm just Yay. And like... <laughs> I don't know. I I just want to say thank you for your podcast. I feel like it was so, like you were saying earlier, well needed because there isn't much out there about stutterings. I think a lot of people who do stutter, it's like we're so afraid to talk about it. Like it's just like hidden secret that we're like scared to like say out loud, literally. And so I'm just glad that you were brave enough and courageous enough to just do that because I think that you have made some of people's lives just easier and they don't feel so alone i know i didn't when i first heard your podcast so i just want to say th- i just want to say thank you for that oh i'm <laughs> so happy to hear that yeah no i'm so excited this is i'm i'm so excited we did this yeah i am too well that's it for today guys all right thank you